With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No one can beat our elephant. <laughs> Welcome to Pint of Football, where much like Arsenal, we've made a poor start to the new season and not one person is surprised. I am former uh-huh. invincible Daz Napton, and as always, I have with me a relegation battler in Tom Meadowcroft. They call me West Tommy Jalbian. <laughs> <laughs> what a yo-yo. And because we're recording another In The Mix, we also have the pleasure of being joined by the slightly past it Gabon International, Andy Backstammer-Yang. <laughs> Very much past it, I'm afraid. Indeed. Anyway, the thing that we're not past is this book, and we're still not quite into the 1900s. So let's crack on. So much time. There is a lot of so time. Much, in there's so much past. <laughs> so what we're going to do, we're going to start no. off from where we finished in 1898. This story... Right, this is the one point I want to make at this juncture. The stories are getting more and more obvious by the titles at the start. The titles at least gave the a bit of an element of, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in this. This next one is called Completed 15 Weeks Later. Yeah, there's no room for uh, mystique in that one. Yeah. No jeopardy, really, is there? He's kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you'll be glad to know we're back in Sheffield, where we've already had one of our stories so far. And we're in November 1898. Here we go. At half time on a drab November Saturday, Argus Judd, <laughs> Birmingham, a Birmingham press man, bet a Sheffield reporter a cigar and a cognac that the game wouldn't be completed today. Simpler times. Good. It's a good start. It really does set the scene, doesn't it? What was really the guy's name? Argus. Argus, Argus Judd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the names 
as we've already discovered, I don't know when the transition between the names we use today and the names we used in the 1800s happened, but I'm very sad that we don't have people called Argus Judd knocking about anymore. For some reason, I was looking up Luna Park, which was this like uh, sort of really early amusement park in America, like turn of the century. And one of the guys that um, created it was called Elmer. Mm. I was like, uh, in the same way, I was like, that's that's not a name anymore, is it? Wasn't the Elmer <laughs> that you read about when you were a child? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. that that's it. There's no other Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there were many born in 2021, were there? Maybe mm. um, Argus Judd is the British Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the the, the Poundland version. <laughs> anyway, he won his bet. The game was abandoned 10 minutes from time, but the Sheffield man might have felt he had cause for a refund when he heard about the Football League's decision. That's a really weird bet to make without inside knowledge. It really is. Unless it was like raining sideways. In the 1890s, each abandoned game was treated on its merits rather than automatically replayed. For some, the score was allowed to stand. For others as in the case of this Sheffield Wednesday Aston Villa game, the game had to be completed at a later date. Why? When there's 10 Why? minutes left, it's, it's nonsense, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I'm reading a book called The Ball is Round by David Goldblatt at the moment, and it's basically very similar to yours, except it's just the history of football, in like prehistory of football. And um, a lot of the time... If it's if it's like a big cup draw, the and the favoured team, and it ends up uh, it's like in, in in a draw, and the game finishes at ninety, like a you know full time, they offer they the ref says to them or what pass for a ref in those days says to them, do you want to keep playing or do you want to like call it, and like you know nine times out of ten they'll go now nah, we'll call it, because like <laughs> these guys won't be able, won't be able to afford to come back come down to our place, so we'll just get a walkover. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that in the early FA Cup. Apparently, like a lot of the, um, particularly the richer London teams, would often, if they were drawn away up north, would just try and play out a draw and then hope for a replay, knowing that the opposition wouldn't be able to afford to actually make the trip. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, that's not what happened here. The problem started when the match referee, Aaron Scrag. who was a crew fuel merchant and FA councillor, missed his Manchester train connection by 10 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Scrag. Classic Scrag. Anyway. Can't rely on crew crew fuel merchants. Uh, That's that's the old saying, isn't it? He telegraphed to the Sheffield Wednesday offices, but these were some distance from Wednesday's ground. By kickoff time, 2.30pm, no one knew where what? the ref was. I'm um, more upset by 2.30 than the fact that there's no ref. I think it does explain, actually, why it was a 2.30 kickoff, but we'll come to that. It was on telly. No, I think it was to do with loss yeah. of light. Uh, uh, it was November. Yeah. The game started seven minutes late. A local football league referee called Fred By. That's All quite a normal these... name <laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared but, but... to the other two. But yeah, I always think of like the name buy or a buy as in you get like a buy to the next round, a free pass. So is, maybe is it spelled B Y E? Yeah. Oh. 
Anyway, Aaron Scrag arrived at half time. 17,000 people were present, a good sized crowd considering Wednesday were on the slide and the weather was dire. It had rained heavily all morning and a keen, piercing wind blew towards the Healy end. The ground was heavy and the ball fell dead at times. It was also very gloomy. Really does set the Sheffield picture there, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't sound a nice day. No. Wednesday took the lead after 20 minutes. Crawshaw's shot, hitting the legs of three or four defenders and zigzagging into the net. Aston Villa <laughs> equalised a minute later through Frank Beddingfield. Great-grandfather yeah. of uh, Daniel Beddingfield. <laughs> so, yeah, I was actually just about to make the joke that he was the, the biggest flop since his uh, one of his uh, later relatives. Because, as it goes on to say, Beddingfield, a late replacement at centre-forward, hooked Smith's centre into the net. It was the only Football League goal Beddingfield would ever score. Ah. Bit of a one-hit wonder there. I don't know enough Daniel Beddingfield songs to make any gags about it, I'm afraid. 15 weeks later. I gotta get through this. <laughs> yes! It was around uh, for a while. Yeah, that was a classic. And then he had a sister who was also terrible. Yeah, she had yeah. a couple of songs, I can remember. But... Anyway. <laughs> uh, Bax yeah. is mad. I'm struggling, I'm struggling. <laughs> Natasha Beddingfield Ultra. <laughs> Don't you talk about my favourite that way. <laughs> to quote the song. So please. Fine, fine. Please. Sorry, Sorry boss. <laughs> Three years later, he collapsed after playing an FA Cup tie for Portsmouth and he died of consumption in South Africa. <laughs> Not... yeah. oh, different times. A goal by Dryberg gave Wednesday a 2-1 half-time lead. The next goal... Hemingfield's header, giving Wednesday a 3-1 lead, was awarded by then, well, the actual ref, Scrag, um, find, found his way to the ground and uh, got things moving again. But Scrag's difficulties continued. The pitch was in semi-darkness by this point. Players tried to spot the white shorts of, or striped shirts that weren't too muddy. Spectators listened for the sounds of players shouting. Some could see the ball only when it was punted above the level of the stands. Pretty dire hmm. situation, isn't it? I mean, it was only seven minutes late kicking off. I can't imagine it would have made a huge impact if they'd have actually kicked off on time. I've got like these sort of Victorian notions that everyone just walked around with a lantern. <laughs> oh, like that the players be... just playing with with um, an oil lantern. No health and safety about them. They were just. Ten minutes left when protests from Aston Villa led to Scrag consulting the linesman. The game was abandoned. Cool, yeah, the game was abandoned <laughs> and the debate began. Wednesday claimed that the 3-1 lead was the springboard for almost certain victory and they should be awarded the game. Reporters agreed from what they could see, but Villa looked very unlikely to recover. On the other hand, Villa claimed Wednesday were to blame for arranging such a late kickoff. Yeah, yeah. How, did, how did it get like pitch black in Sheffield at like four o'clock? Yeah, it sounds like an excuse, doesn't Weird it? Weird black hole. It's definitely an excuse. But obviously, the Football League did give in, and in their wisdom, even back in 1899, they were making stupid decisions. They compromised. 
they decided that the extra 10 and a bit minutes should be played on a convenient date. So the game continued 15 weeks later. Oh, we said the title. <laughs> what, so just the last 10 minutes? Yep. <sighs> well, at least um, it wasn't like Trero versus Hartlepool. Yeah. It's not, not too bad, is it, Sheffield to Birmingham? But even so, one conundrum was how to start the game. Would Aaron Scragg remember where the ball was when he abandoned the game? No, he's useless. Well, he wouldn't have been able to see, so I don't think that would have been <laughs> an option, would it? A second conundrum was the eligibility of the players. Should the same 22 men be forced to resume their places? Well, um, didn't one of them I die guess. in South Africa, so... A bit morbid, don't, don't shouldn't have to play him. Do like a weekend at Bernie's thing with him, <laughs> just, just like a scarecrow in a corpse. <laughs> Human Salutio. Nice. <laughs> a third problem was the likely low attendance. Who would turn out to watch the last 10 minutes of a game when the result was cut and dried? Well, this was like the back in the day where any football game would get like. 30,000 people because there's nothing else to do except die of consumption. The Football League ruled the play would start in the usual manner, tossing of a coin, pick of the ends and then kick off, and that any registered player could take part for either team. In the event, Villa used 13 players and Wednesday 16. Someone had a bright idea to entice the crowd. After the 10-minute farce, and this is where it gets even more stupid, after the 10-minute farce of a match, the two teams would then play a 90-minute friendly. Huh? <laughs> Clearly, they did that to make it worthwhile for the fans, but... In the 10 in minutes of, of the farce. In 10 minutes of logistical... Yeah. yeah, it's just stupid. But the proceeds of the friendly would go to Wednesday player Harry Davis whose benefit match was a few weeks before and was very badly attended. Oh, poor guy. Poor Davis. For 15 weeks... Yeah, well, yeah, of course, yeah. (laughs) For 15 weeks, Wednesday had desperately needed the two points held. So that's the thing, apparently, that was the most uh, exciting part about this, is those two points for Wednesday, in terms of being able to stay in the division, were quite crucial. And knowing that they were 10 minutes away from getting those points and two goals up would have been quite um, exciting for them, I guess. Wednesday added a further goal on the occasion to win 4-1, in fact, but it didn't keep them in the first division. However, Villa did go on to win the league that year. A lot lot (laughs) rather. Kind of pointless because the result didn't, help any of the teams the friendly of course was really pointless but then I guess if it had have finished three all and Villa hadn't won the league then it would have been conclusive I guess this was not the only football league game to be completed at a later date Stoke were once ordered to Wolverhampton to play five minutes and Walsall and Newton Heath who of course the old man united completed a second day so the match was restarted the following day 
But after that, apparently the Football League decided to change that rule. Oh, stop that. It's silly. It, it really was. More recently, so this isn't in the book. This is something, Baxter, you may well remember. About 15 years ago in Spain, Real Madrid, five minutes before the end of a match, received a bomb threat from an extremist Basque yeah. group. And they were drawing one all. And the Basqueds. Yeah, it was the Basqueds. And in the 89th minute, the game was uh, basically abandoned, the full evacuation of the stadium and everything. The match was one all. And then the teams had to go back and play one minute plus the four minutes of added time. And in that, fi- in that five minutes, Ronaldo, uh, fat Ronaldo, won a penalty and Zidane scored it and they won 2-1. And apparently it was a full stadium. Dread, I think I do remember hearing about that. So, Baxter, what do you reckon of that story then? Um, I mean, it kind of gave it all away up front, didn't it? I like the old-timey names. That was good. Didn't hear anything about the uh, the guy with his cigar and his cognac again, unfortunately. Thought that was going somewhere. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, 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 we roll on, don't we? The next one, live from Leicester, is going to be the penalty kicking elephant. Okay, you oh. piqued my interest. <laughs> I am on board. I think the best thing I can say as I read this is just accept the opening remarks. Don't try and question the science oh logic. Just accept the statements and enjoy, just enjoy it. it. Yeah. Sanger's circus was in town. They had an elephant who was unbeaten in penalty kick competitions. When the circus well, he would be <laughs> <This is> massive. <laughs> Just accept. (laughs) When the circus proprietor issued a challenge to the Leicester professional footballers, no one can beat our elephant. (laughs) It was a challenge too good to miss. All right, cunts, I've got an elephant. (laughs) Trying to play a game of football against it. It's the 1800s. Four players accepted and took on the elephant. We've got a game here. Someone died here, surely. (laughs) For each competition, the player and the elephant would take four penalties each. (laughs) Don't know why four, (laughs) rather than the traditional five. Right, I'm going to two-foot the elephant, lads. (laughs) It's the only chance we've got. This is where you start to um, realise why the elephant was unbeaten. The ball favoured the elephant as it was six (laughs) times the size of a normal football. (laughs) (laughs) So it's essentially a human-sized football that they're expecting football players to kick into the goal against an elephant, which presumably... The elephant, presumably, as you've already joked about, takes up the size of the net. So there's no (laughs) way this ball, surely, there's no way this ball can get into the net. You know what? I absolutely have no clue what's going to happen. (laughs) The elephant might go on a rampage. You never know, (laughs) do you? 
elephants can be quite unpredictable beasts. So let's see. Three of the four players lost to the elephant. We don't even need to talk about that. That was just a foregone conclusion. And the last hope was William Keach, who used a crafty penalty-taking technique against his foe. I wonder if the technique was throwing nuts away. (laughs) (laughs) Or get a mouse out. Yeah, 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 something like that. You've got to do something. What he did, and this is, I reckon, where the likes of Neymar have learnt their tray. Keach fainted to play the ball one side of the elephant, then as the the elephant raised its foot in anticipation, Keach Keach slotted the ball into the other corner. Meg the elephant. Are there any pictures of this? I'm not, I'm struggling to believe this is real. I'm not uh, sure how how much I believe the elephant versus Leicester City. Yeah, yeah. How much <laughs> I believe that the elephant knew that it was in a competition? Of <laughs> course it did. Come on, Max. <laughs> Have you never trained an elephant before? <laughs> maybe we should do some further research into this afterwards and maybe question the authenticity after that but for now we've realized what his technique was the elephant raised its foot and the ball was slotted home the elephant had met a worthy opponent but hung on to draw 2-2 in the shootout and a replay was ordered i don't know how and i get how the elephants in goal for the penalties but i don't get how he's (laughs) taking them I was just get it in his trunk and place it in the net. What are you going to do? It's a limb. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. It's all very confusing. But anyway, the replay happened. This time, Keech's deceptions proved to be too much for the elephant, and he went on to win 3-2. Keech, three. Elephant, two. Elephant, two. The biggest shock in Leicester football history. And that does also include them recently winning the league. <laughs> Thinking about what I can picture of an elephant's foot, I don't think they'd be that you'd be able to place the ball with such accuracy to score so many penalties. This didn't happen. Sorry. C- certainly, <laughs> certainly with the power to be able to knock it into the goal without... But then again, if the ball was as big as the player, maybe the player just like was blasted into the goal. <laughs> <laughs> there was a game on the on the PS1 called um, Adidas Power Soccer or something. All oh, right. Ele- elephant, yeah, elephant penalties. Is this one and, where you uh, could play certain... against a team of dolphins? No, that was red card. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was good, though. You could do a certain trick shot where it would knock the goalie into the net, and or you know, you know, you're in just knock opponents over as it went through. So um, that's I'm assuming the elephant's technique. Yeah, it might have been, but as a story, and let's face it, it's a good story. It is a good story. Yeah, enjoyed it. If you were to turn up and watch that action unfold you'd probably think we're getting into peak football territory, surely. Yeah, I mean, if it happened, it's my favourite story so far. I wonder if their first trip was to Leicester or if they'd been around the Midlands first and no one else would play against them. 
Maybe. <laughs> We're running out of clubs here, lads. Yeah, fair, play to, fair play to Leicester for being mad enough. Yeah, exactly. But that is, I think, where we should end it for, for this episode. Tom, I believe you've got a short story for us to finish on rather than a joke. Oh, at. yeah. So this was on Twitter um, by someone called Soapy. Um, it wasn't sent to us before you get excited. It was just on Twitter. And it reads, goalkeepers scoring goals. Let me tell you about my nan's cousin, Reading FC goalkeeper Arthur Wilkie, who got injured mid-game, played the rest of the match as a winger, and scored twice. And Ooh. sure enough, in his career, which was 1961 to 1968, 169 appearances for Reading and two goals. Uh, so I had, to, I had to learn more about this. And career, Wilkie, Wilkie began his career at Reading, rising up from the youth ranks at the club. On the 31st of August, 62, in a match against Halifax Town, Wilkie suffered a back injury. And this is a bit where it's like, you know, very different times. Wilkie was thus utilised as a winger for the rest of the game. <laughs> Run it off. What happens, if you get, what happens if you get a back injury in today's... If you're, especially if you're a goalkeeper... Maybe not particularly known for your running ability. I feel like that's the worst position to stick someone that's just suffered an injury to play out the rest of the game. Baxter is a yeah. goalie. You could probably uh, tell us where you'd rather be playing if you were feeling a bit injured. If it, yeah, I mean, if you got injured, you'd sort of, I don't know, maybe play centre-half and just try and edit and kick it away. But um, yeah, I don't think I'd fancy running up and down the wing. Anyway, he scored twice and they won 4 2. Oh, that's nice. Happy days. That's yeah. this, presumably you were allowed substitutes in the 60s. Oh, yeah, so, yeah it was substitutes by then. So they had a sub goalie, but not a sub outfield player. Well, they'd use their sub. I don't know, it, it doesn't matter. Introduced into football. I just want to know now. Oh, 21st of August, 1965. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three years after this. That's quite late, that, isn't it, then, the subs coming that in? That is really late, yeah. Well, for now, that's us. Until next time, goodbye, farewell, and remember, if there's an elephant in goal, do a trick shot. Thanks, guys. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.